You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Five Star Zone Podcast with Rico Baird and the Big Ten Network's Howard Griffith. Welcome to another edition of the Five Star Zone. Rico Beard, Howard Griffith. You see him on the Big Ten Network all the time. And Howard, as we await the news of what's going to happen to Michigan, there is a game that's going to get played this weekend. And from what I heard, it's going to be pretty good in Happy Valley at noon against the number 10 Penn State Nittany Lions. Howard, I mean, is, is this – I don't know if you could use the term must win, but is this a must win for James Franklin? Because he doesn't do too well against ranked teams. Yeah, it, it, it's tough, man, right? And you think about getting in this position uh, and being able to take on the, you know, not just the best in the country, but, you know, also, you know, some other programs around the country that have been really, really good, well, along with your, you know, Ohio State and Michigan. And it, it's been a tough go of it, you know, uh, but he's he's been in some of those games. Uh, he's just not as a team have not been able to to get over the hump but i think if you're asking where the pressure lies uh whether it's with michigan or penn state i think it clearly lies with penn state because theoretically michigan can lose this game obviously they don't want to but they still have ohio state on the horizon whereas penn state has already dropped one uh and you know they've got to find a way if you're talking about continuing to to make that climb into the best teams that are in the country, uh, which, you know, quite frankly, they are one of the best that's out there. But you've got to find a way to beat a Michigan and beat a, a beat Ohio State. Uh, I think so. From a national perspective, I think you can start to get the credit that that I think you probably deserve. Um, but you got to win the games, and, and it's been tough that he hasn't been able to pull off, you know, those top performing games. Well, it's funny, I mean, because you bring up Michigan, and, and I would think that it, it would almost be more pressure on them being at everything that's going on. Yeah. And let's face it, you probably got 13 other teams rooting for Penn State because they just like, okay, in the event that you skate, if Penn State beats you, you're not going to the playoffs and, you know, karma type of thing. For Michigan, it, you know, I'm sure it's galvanizing them. It's us versus the world. Remember, beginning of the year, they had the free Harbaugh T-shirts. Now it's like, I mean, how much pressure is just too much before it becomes a house of cards? Because I got to think in a game like this, one bad call, and all of a sudden, how quickly could things unravel for them? Yeah, I I think you're right when you bring up that. uh, You know, I think there's, you know, obviously some reasons to think that they could start to be getting tight, but – you know, it's a big game, and this is a team that, that's proven that, um, hey, when, when things get tough, everybody's been pointing against us. Everyone's been rooting against us. Uh, they just continue to find ways to win. Now, obviously, it hasn't been to the extent and to the length that uh, these last accusations are, 
But I think when you talk about a team that's going to be galvanized and ready to go, it, it's going to be them. Uh, I don't expect them to, whether whether Jim is on the sideline or not. You know, I, I think this is a team that is that is highly motivated by all the people that are doubting them uh, in their state and around the country. Uh, you know, whether it's they haven't played anybody or whether it's, you know, they've had an unfair advantage to going out and playing. I think those players want to prove that, no, it's not that we had an unfair advantage. Right. We were just so much better than the teams we were competing against. Right. I mean, because that's how I see it. Because when I look at this game, it's, it's so many – it's a prove it for so many factors. As we said, it's a prove it for James Franklin going down there and beating a top ranked team. To me, it's a prove it for those two defenses. Okay. Then I think they're number one and number two in the country. Can you maintain that going up against each other for Michigan? It's a prove it for your running game because, or both running games really, because we haven't seen anything yet. I mean, Michigan ran for 400 yards and four touchdowns last year. And this, just this game with Corman Edwards. They haven't sniffed that this year for for Allen and, and Singleton. They haven't had those games like they had last year for J.J. This is the first time you're going up against a, a top defense. You know, can you because to me, this is that game where you can now enter the chat for the Heisman. The other games you played great, but, you, didn't, you know, when your best team you played was UNLV and Rutgers doesn't quite have the same feel. As Penn State, how I just see it as prove it so, on so many levels. Yeah, you. I, I think if we if we just looked at it from uh, Penn State's perspective, let's look at it from their defensive perspective. And you just mentioned uh, what Michigan was able to do against the defense uh, a, a year ago. The same style of defense, obviously personnel change, uh, and I think Penn State is better. But Penn State still has to answer the question: Can they be physical at the point of attack? Right? Are, are they going to be jumping around blocks, or are they going to be taking those blocks on? Uh, you mentioned J.J. I think J.J. now, because of the pressure and the ability of Penn State to play in their opponent's backfield, they're going to have to make sure, and talking about the defensive linemen now, that they are maintaining their rush lanes and maintaining the levels that they need to be on. Because J.J. is always going to be looking downfield. And if you start to pressure him, we're all of a sudden going to see his ability to use his legs, which he really hasn't had to do. Uh, all season, but you know he has that ability. So that all of a sudden becomes uh, really scary that you've got to keep him in the pocket because if he breaks contain, gets outside, they're going to go into scramble drill mode, and it's hard for a secondary, as good as this secondary is at Penn State, to be able to hold on. Now, people always say now, they're saying this year that this is a much different team than, than the Michigan team was last year. Michigan was built going to be physical at the point of attack. Right. I still think they're the same team as who they are. They just haven't put up the huge numbers uh, rushing the football, nor have they ultimately had to. So I think this is a proven game on, on both sides. The things that they have to prove, you, you know, look at Penn State's offense. You know, will those receivers be able to, you know, take that next step and continue to make plays downfield? Drew is to me, he's still a, a heck of a football player, but he's more comfortable at home. Went on the road last year, last week, and had a great deal of success. It, before that, you know, it was really there was a huge difference between his performances at home and on the road. He was able to, to knock some of that rust off of playing on the road. Now he's back at home where his fans are going to be behind him. It, it'll be amazing that this fan base will probably be as loud as they've been uh, yeah. in, in years just because of 
what's going on and what's surrounding Michigan and, and what's at stake. So there's so many, there's so many, uh, I think, great matchups in this game that, that I don't think it's going to disappoint. But I don't think it's going to be a high-scoring affair either. I think it's going to be a, a knockdown, drag them out because, like you mentioned, these two defenses are, are really playing really well. Uh, right. And I think they'll both be up for the challenges. So to me, it comes down to those offenses, uh, who's going to be able to make more plays or take advantage when uh, something goes wrong or you have a, a miscue on either defense, is that offense going to be able to take advantage of it? You know what, Howard? I, I, I think I'm the only person. I can't tell you who's going to win the game, but I, I don't think that this is going to be a close game because I think that whoever jumps out early – it's just going to boat race the other team. And it's going to be one of those things where, because I think if, if you're, let's say Penn State jumps out early, gets the crowd behind them, the whiteout, Michigan, I think, starts feeling more of the pressure of everything going on and starts looking and blaming the refs and, oh, my goodness. On the flip side, if Michigan jumps out early, then that whole us versus the world, I think, really kicks in and they start believing. So, well, I do think it's going to be one team is going to win by a lot, by double digits. I can't tell you which team that's going to be. I, get, I would say probably the one that the, the team that makes that, that capitalizes on that first mistake may be that team. And both teams are very oppor opportunistic in that secondary. Um, you know, you know, I, I look at the Kalen, Caleb, Kalen King uh, from, you know, right here in Detroit at Cass Tech. Yep. You know, could he be that difference maker in there? Because, you know, he's probably going to be checking up against Roman Wilson. That's going to be quite a battle for J.J. Like, do you do you even test him or do you just try to hit your other uh, receivers and tight ends? Yeah, I think the tight end situation will be fascinating because if if uh, Michigan can start running the ball with some some efficiency, it's going to be very tough. Uh, now, all of a sudden, those linebackers, are, they're guessing they get in a guessing situation. Is this a pass situation? And and those tight ends are going to be able to make some plays in the middle of the field. Uh, so I don't think they want to they want to be able to get them behind the down and distance, uh, be second along for Michigan. So they kind of know what's going to be coming at them, because if they just in a situation where this offense is rolling, you know, it's going to be they're going to be able to move the ball up and down the field. Now, whether they are able to score still remains to be seen. But there are going to be some challenges. There are going to be some big-time challenges for players. And it's like we said, listen, you know, Michigan has gone into a situation where they haven't had hardball before. Um, and I think that, that probably gives them uh, a little bit of uh, comfort because they've been in this situation before. But you still, they haven't been in a game like this before. And who, who knows what's ultimately going to happen. But I have to believe that if you're Michigan and you've been prepping for this game and you also know what's going on in the outside, whether you're saying anything to the team from a, a head coach's standpoint, you have to be preparing your staff because you don't know what's going to happen. So you have to believe that they're prepared whether he's going to be there or not. Obviously, they'd much rather him be there. But if not, I think right. they're going to be comfortable in, in what they need to do offensively and defensively uh, to move forward in the game. Howard, I do want to talk about the other quarterback because J.J., this, this this isn't J.J.'s first rodeo. J.J.'s been through this before, but Drew Aller, mm -hmm. he's, he's still showing the rust. How much of experience does he take from going to Columbus and playing in that game? He didn't play the best, but what do you take from that game if you're Drew and, and, and now you get to play Michigan at home? Yeah, I think 
if you look at it critically, um, if you're Drew and you looked at it critically, you never want to blame anyone else. But there was a reason, you know, that the, the passes were high, he, the incompletions, and he, the timing was off. He was under duress for most of that game. And he can't, he can't throw the ball and also, you know, block the offensive lineman, the defensive lineman. So I think when, when they look at that game, as far as Penn State offensively is concerned, there were a lot of things that they needed to do better, whether it was blocking scheme or, or whether it was just, just outright protection, whether they needed to keep some extra guys in. So I, I think the comfort is that, that it wasn't all on you. Yes, you've been into a hostile environment, uh, and you didn't play as well as you needed to, but now you're back at home. And that's why I mentioned it. His, his numbers at home versus his numbers on the road outside of last week, you know, it, was, it was night and day. So now you know, it, it's going to be important that they can get their running game going. Because, again, they don't want to end up in, in second and long situations either because you talk about a defense you know, that wants to dictate pace. And, and right. They're going to play in your backfield. You know they're going to be able to make some plays there. And it's, that, that's why I think it's so critical for, for Penn State to really be able to manage those rush lanes. Whether or not they have a spy for J.J. remains to be seen. But I wouldn't be surprised if they try to mix some things up because... Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is one of those games, right, where it, it's going to come down to J.J. having to be able to make some plays, and, and that means he's making those plays with his legs. And whether they're running some, some read option plays in this game, who knows? But definitely when he drops back and he doesn't see what the matchups he likes downfield, he's more than capable of taking off. And as most people realize, even though they've seen it on tape, I think until he takes off against you, you really don't realize how athletic and how quick he is. Yeah, it's funny because as I stated before, to me, this is his opportunity to really showcase himself for the Heisman. Like I watched last weekend when you saw Caleb, uh, Caleb Williams and Michael Penix Jr. I mean, you knew it was going to be no defense played in that game, but Mm -hmm. I think Penix kind of had his Heisman moment when he scrambled to the sideline and kind of threw that dart. I don't even know how he made that pass, (laughs) but it was a touchdown. It was like, yep, that, that was your moment for J.J., I think this is this is his opportunity to enter the chat to go in there and say, hey, you know what? I, I 
I know we played lesser talent, but this is what I did on the road, white out, and I, and I got the job done. So I do think that this is a, a really, really big game for him because Howard, the Michigan run game has been struggling against lesser opponents. Yeah. The is. offensive line is not the same offensive line they've had for the past two years. As a running back, you know it is all about your old line and, and what they can do for you. Like Blake Corm, I don't think has had 100. I think he had one game for 100 yards, and it was 101 yards. Mm-hmm. That was early in the season. But other than that, 80 yards. And I know they take him out the game, but you just don't see that explosiveness that yeah. you saw last year. Like, he scores a ton of touchdowns. I mean, that's the easiest bet to make in the world, that Blake Corm's going to score two touchdowns. But he's not dominating the way he was. And I, and I think that if that going up against the number two defense in the nation in Penn State, that's why I think this is all going to really be on J.J.'s shoulder. Him and Drew Aller, yeah. I'm glad that it's a noon kickoff. I mean, I prefer it be a night game. I'm sure Penn State would prefer it be a night game. Heck, if you want, you could probably still switch with Ohio State and Michigan State because that's <laughs> not going to be a game. We don't even need to talk about that. But I think, you know, being at noon is probably good for Michigan just to get everything beside and just play football and not have to worry about anything. And that's instead of sitting around all day watching and listening and you could just at noon, you go out there, you block out the world and you just play football. I got to think that, that this is one time where they probably appreciate that noon game. I'm going to tell you, man, I, I think you know, whether it's the NFL or whether it's, you know, college football, uh, People, you, you think that the night games are, are where the atmosphere is, but nobody really, these players don't want to sit around all day in hotel rooms and, and watch other teams play. Because the worst feeling was always like, man, they done. We haven't even been to pregame meal yet <laughs> for our game. <laughs> so, you know, because the anxiety, particularly because of, you know, just how much is at stake, at stake for both teams in this But see, how I, I got to think. I gotta think at Penn State, you wanted to, that whiteout looks special at night, man. It it does. It's intimidating. Oh yeah, it, it is. It is special. But I think the players will tell you, yeah. But I'd rather this game be over already. I want to really? get out and play. I, I want to get out and, and and get into the contest and make things happen. The last thing you want to do, I mean, you 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 leave meetings, whether you're traveling on Friday or or you're at home, you leave those meetings wanting to to have a chance to go out and uh, to go play. But you have all day to wait, and it's like, man, it's just, can, can we get out and play yet? And that's what I mean. I mean, they're great. I mean, the atmosphere, I mean, you talk about Penn State, you could talk about a lot of these places, LSU. But I think to these players will tell you, they much rather it be over <laughs> rather than, than having to wait all day and try okay. to you know control the energy and emotions that you have because you can only meet for so long. Uh, you go you back in meetings talking about what we're going to do. You, you know the assignments, and you're just waiting all day. So I know it's great for the fan bases or, or fans, football fans, those night games. But trust me, play them, play them early, get them over with, and relax the rest of the day. All right. Well, I'm speaking as a president of the fans. We <laughs> like the nights, especially now with the new LED lights and the light shows yeah. that you oh, can yeah. put on when Crazy, you score right? and blink and flash and, you know, flood the stadium in your team colors. I, I, I eat all of that stuff up, man. That to me is the difference between the NFL and yeah. the college game. Is they college still embraces fun, where the NFL mm-hmm. is more professional. Yeah. I like that type of stuff. <laughs> that okay, you got that game, Howard. Now you got a bunch of other games where you got teams, you know, just trying to get bowl eligible. Mm-hmm. You know, 
and then to me, it's like Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, and then yeah. everybody else you could kind of just put in a bag and shake up and just pull out the different winners. There's really no separator from there. But I look at, like, the Iowa Hawkeyes, man. They might as well be the Iowa Irish because this is the luckiest team that I've seen. Howard, they can't score. Uh-huh. But right now they're poised to win the Big Ten West. Like, explain this to me. <laughs> <laughs> man, you, you know, so often, you know, coaches talk about, okay, we got to win three phases, you know, whether it's offense, defense, but you got to win special teams. At Iowa, they're winning special teams. That's just yeah, the way you can give that to them. And the way they play defense, you, you know they're going to be able to do that too. Um, and, and it's just amazing, you know, to, to watch them, you know, go out and just find ways to win the game. If, if it's close in the, in the fourth quarter, you, you know, they're going to find a way to pull it out. And, and that's just been the recipe for success. And, you know, whether you agree or disagree with uh, them relieving Brian Ferentz of his, in the time of the announcement of relieving him for, of his duties offensively, um, it doesn't matter. I mean, those guys are just going to continue to go out and play. Uh, probably one of the most underrated defensive coordinators uh, in all of college football when you talk about Coach Parker. So it's it's it's, <laughs> it's one of those hardest things. I mean, we go into this thing, look, every Saturday, we're like, how are they going to win? It's, right. They can't do this. They can't. Oh, I mean, they, they've thrown for 50 yards, 45 yards. It's like, how do you even do this? But you look up and they just they just continue to win and they just come up with big plays and, and their offense is able to do just enough to for them to be in the what I call the kick game. They kicking an extra point, kicking a field goal, they're punting it. So, you know, that's kind of where they need to be. And if they don't turn the football over, this is a really difficult team to beat. Right. I mean, it's yeah, you're right. In the end, they, they're always singing the fight song and you're just like, I don't know how you want to. I mean, and even they had one taken away. They should have uh, beat Minnesota. I, 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 did, the, did the Big Ten ever just come out? And I mean, I know Petiti's got his hands full, but did he ever just come out and say we blew that call and you should have won? Well, technically, by the letter of the law, they didn't blow it. They didn't blow it. And Really? So no long no, no longer does the, the hand need to be above the shoulders or above the head. Any any kind of signal with with your hand um you know can be construed as you know a, you know, a false uh, <laughs> Okay, but how we we both saw he was saying Absolutely. get away from there, the ball. there there was and, and I talked about this, there was zero intent on what he was doing, trying to deceive the the opponent. Right. Wasn't there. Right. But it was, but the letter of the law, the way that rule is written in the rule books today, it was the right call. So, I mean, it's, okay. it, it's tough. It's a tough way to lose a game. But that's one of those things that, that I'm sure the competition committee will take a look at and, and just see exactly what it is because, you know, there was no intent in that. I, I don't think it was any intent. And I think when when Iowa looked back at it, they were, you know they understood it was no intent, but they also understood the letter of the law is frustrating. Uh, but it's one of those things that I think you know they may need to go back, or they should go back and kind of review. And, and I think you know they tr- they probably were trying to take it out of the hands of the referees to be able to make that type of call. So they just said, hey, you know, any kind of any kind of motion with your arm uh, that's anywhere close to being 
construed as a fair catch can be, you know, construed as trying to deceive the the coverage team. Uh, speaking of the competition committee, I mean, we all know what's going on with Michigan and with Petiti. And as I say, as we're taping this pod, we're waiting on the news if it comes down on Friday. But I guess let's let's take that next step because then Michigan comes out and says, hey, you got Ohio State and you got Purdue and you got, I think, Illinois and Rutgers. Hey, don't just look at us. Look at them. How is this investigation going to just be going – on and on and on all summer where it's just going to be basically the Big Ten kind of cannibalizing on itself? It, it really – I mean, if, you, if you're if you a fan of Michigan, right, you, mm-hmm. you're looking at everybody else. If you're everybody else and, and somebody points the finger at you, now you're looking. Everyone's looking for, you know, is someone trying to take advantage or getting an unfair advantage? But it's not unheard of uh, for coaches – you know, on different staffs to to be able to because re- there are relationships there in many cases. I'm not saying in all cases, but in many cases there are relationships there, and and they may have intel that, that they decide to share. Is that illegal? I have no idea. Is that you know go against the spirit of the law? I, I'm not sure, um, but I think if you're a Michigan fan, you want to look at every opportunity that's out there, and it's. You know, it, it's not a good situation, and, and quite frankly, I'm just tired of it. Uh, I don't know where it ends. I don't know where it goes, right? Right. We're waiting. We're waiting for this to come down. We've been waiting. Whether something happens, who really knows? And um, it's at the end of the day, I think one of the tough things is, you know, this is an adult issue, and it's like anything that we talk about. The adults find ways to get in the way. Yep. <laughs> and, you know, we just we really just want to see these teams play. And, and for us, you know, at the network, it becomes tiresome, too, because we want to talk about the team on the field. But how can you talk about the team on the field without talking about all the things that are going on around it? So, you know, it kind of puts a lot of people in tough spots um, to be able to, you know, really talk about it. And who really has all the information to really – to talk about it from an education, from just having all the facts about what's going on. We, we really don't know. We know what's being reported. We know we see letters that are written. We hear right. things here and there. But at the end of the day, it's bits and pieces of stuff. And then I got to tell you, the funniest thing, what I have done, I've been listening to podcasts uh, since this whole thing started. And it is it is amazing when you listen to the different fan bases because it, right. every fan base is right. They believe Yo, yeah. they they have, they are right. There is no Ooh. gray area. And I've been oh. saying like, wow, this is crazy. Yeah, welcome to 2023. I mean, if, if when you get bored, why don't you listen to some political podcasts? How about that? <laughs> it's unbelievable. <laughs> that's what this is. It's tribalism at its best. Yeah, I support yeah. my colors mm-hmm. and my colors only. I'm right, you're wrong, and you've always been wrong. You've been a bunch of cheaters since you've been in this league. <laughs> right. And and it's it, it, it is but it's fascinating though, just the the hu- human nature, right? And, and when it's something that you're passionate about and you're behind, uh, and you're behind and you support them, it, what you are willing how you are willing to interpret the information that is out there is I think one of the things that's just been fascinating to me to just watch and listen to because people are so passionate yeah. about what is happening. And I guess that's a great thing. I just wish it wasn't to the extent that it is right now. And I guess this is what it normally is. 
Um, but when you have, you know, allegations that are out there, uh, I guess it brings out the, the best and worst in people and the way they feel about, you know, programs uh, around the country and, and in their own conference, quite frankly. Yeah, I think it brings out the worst and worst, but I'm glad that you're saying it bring, be bring out the best in people, but it <laughs> pretty much brings out the worst. Yeah. And then just when you think you've hit the bottom, they find that next level. It's just, oh, but what about this? And it amazes me how many dime store lawyers there are out there who can like, recite a lot like, but you can't even read. How can you sit here and tell me all of this stuff? But that, that, that's what's hilarious. And they're, they're passionate about it, right? And, and they're not talking from, a, well, if this happens, this is probably the direction they should go. It's not, everything's a matter of fact. This is what I know. I trust my sources. My sources right. are better than your sources. And it's like, guys, nobody knows what's – no one knows right now. Because I can tell you one thing about the, the Big Ten Conference at this point right now, that, is, that thing is airtight as it could ever be. Because there, there have always been times where, you know, certain people would get certain information in the media – uh, and be prepared to to go out and and talk about what they need to talk about. But what we found out in the last, really, in the last week or last couple of days, we don't know. Because I can tell you, us at the network, we haven't been tipped off one way or another uh, about when it's coming, if it's coming. We have right. no idea. We're sitting, we're sitting just like everybody else, saying, well, you think it's going to happen today? It's Friday. They got a game tomorrow morning. Is hey, it fair that they do something now? It's, it's, you ain't, hey, I'm looking as we speak right now just to make sure we ain't missing something. So, yeah, it's happening. Now, <laughs> funny thing that you said that I'm going to kind of transition that because how tight-lipped Petiti and the Big Ten office are. Mm-hmm. I think another one is on a local level, I've never seen it where I guess an athletic director just kind of took it under his wing. The MSU coaching search. Man, there's like nothing, there's like a, a lot of wild rumors, but Howard, I guess at what point do you have to name a coach by like Thanksgiving in order to, to kind of keep your current recruits and get things going? Or I guess what's the deadline for Allen Howler and MSU for this coaching search? Because yeah, after all this other stuff settles, they still don't have a coach. Yeah. And, and that's the tough part about it. Right. I think um, when you look at, just the way things transpired in a situation similar to this uh, last year, you look at Nebraska um, and what they did when, when they were going after Matt rule and they finally made that decision, you know, that was a, those were conversations that were ongoing, but they kind of waited until uh, they felt comfortable to, to go ahead and name the coach. And you, you gotta believe with everything is still swirling around that they just have not maybe found the person or they're still hoping to interview uh, some other candidates that may be out there. I think Matt Rule was a different kind of situation because he was a guy that, that a lot of people covered as a uh, an outstanding college coach and a program builder, and that's what Nebraska was looking for. And fortunately for Nebraska, unfortunately for him, things didn't work out at Carolina, but right. they were able to make that work just in, in that time frame. Uh, Michigan State, you, you, you know, we don't know. I mean, he's a football guy. He, he knows what he wants, and I'm sure he knows the, you know, the, the candidates that he wants, and he's probably had those conversations with some people. But you have to believe, at least at this point, 
that, that the coach he may be eyeing is still you know, on a roster, active roster, is just not out of coaching, which you probably can expect, whether it's a coordinator or a sitting head coach. But there, he's going to have to start to hone in on who that person is going to be. But I, I don't expect too much to come out of uh, be out circulating uh, about that particular search, at least not until things get really close when they start talking about signing contracts. I mean, I just got to think that like Thanksgiving weekend or after has to be like a, when the season's over, a little target deadline since you don't go to a bowl game. Well, technically they could, but realistically, you're probably not going to a bowl game. Yeah. So at that point, you know, you got to be able to kick this into gear and say, okay, fans, hey, re- your current recruits, mm-hmm. you can stick around and stay. Here's your guy. We got you because they keep losing people every day. You know, Tucker had a small class, but they were some pretty good players in there. And another one today just went to Florida State. So it's just like, okay, at what point do you name a coach so you could try to salvage something? Because with the 12-team playoff coming, you have a better opportunity to to continue playing and and play for something meaningful. But if you, I just feel like if you wait too long, you're setting yourself back about a year or two. I, I think the reality, though, is this. I mean, when, when you name that coach, it, it's people are already going to be after the people on your roster, your commits, right? They're, and by the time you're able to name a coach, you know, it's there's still a finite amount of time. Now you, everyone's scrambling, uh, not only to, to, to get those signees, but he's also got to figure out how to scramble and figure out what the staff is going to look like and who's going to be the point person on the staff that's going to try to rally the troops that, that are already committed and, right. and signed on the dotted line for Michigan State to be able to keep those players. So I don't know that there is any perfect situation where you can assure that you're going to be able to keep the recruits that, that Coach Tucker was able to get committed. Uh, now, can you flip those guys back? Yeah, you can. It just depends upon what kind of name you're able to get. But I still think you know it's going to take time, as we talk about it. The new coach will come in. There'll be a signing. There'll be two, still be two signing dates. Uh, they'll sign who they can keep. And then, as we'll talk about, we'll say, well, this is his true first signing class of guys that he was able to go out and recruit uh, and hold on to. So it's no perfect situation. And and I think that that's part of that's part of the frustration as a fan base, right? You're like, we got these good players. They're coming in and taking our players. And it's never good when Florida State's coming to get your players because there's a bad feeling already. Like, shoot, Florida State must know what they're doing if they're coming to get this kid. So he's pretty good. So that doesn't make you feel you know, all that, all that happier, excited about, you know, just the way the search is going. But these things take time, man. And if you want, I think the most important part, the players obviously are, are an important part of what makes the program go. Matter of fact, they are the part that makes the program go. Right. The coaches, but you, you still have to, they have to get this higher right. At the end of the day, they've got to get this higher right. And that's going to be important. Um, because as we talked about, you know, even though we're going away from divisions, you know, this is going to be tough for those teams that were just outside or, or trying to stay in the middle. It's mm-hmm. going to be hard now with four new contenders coming into the conference. Right. Uh, and yeah, UCLA is going to continue to get better, but you know, you got to believe that Oregon and, and, and USC are, are going to be teams that are going to score points. 
So that's yeah. going to give them an opportunity to always be there in Washington as well. So, man, it, it's going to be tough. So I think it's more important to make sure you hire the right person that's going to allow you to be competitive, not only with what's in the Big Ten now, but what you see coming in to the conference next year. Right. Keep liking, keep subscribing, keep watching the Five Star Zone. For Howard Griffith, I'm Rico Beer. Howard, appreciate your time, man. I'll see you later, brother. All right, later. <laughs>